0: Justice,
1: Mr. Chief Justice, it may it please the court. Our opinion next turns to the problem of what the judicial role should be.
0: But the thing is, why do they make it so hard when you lose everything to get it back?
2: You have any answers to that? This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. 2017 has been a terrible year for thousands of people. There have been fires in Northern California and hurricanes and floods in Texas and Puerto Rico. Families have lost their homes and all their belongings, including for many their documentation and identification. their social security cards, driver's licenses, birth certificates. What happens when you lose your identification? How do you get it back? It's not always as easy as you might think. As it turns out, there are millions of Americans living in the shadows without any form of government-issued photo ID. They can't get social security, and many can't vote. A US government accounting office study found that strict photo ID laws have reduced voter turnout by two to three percentage points, which, according to the GAO, can translate into tens of thousands of votes lost in a single state. Reporter Megan Morelli has this story about one man's life without a photo ID. We call the story Government Ghost.
3: Dennis Rickett grew up in a working-class neighborhood in Brooklyn.
0: We lived in a fun house which had six families. There was a yard, and there was a two-family house in the back. In the summer, sometimes my father, not every summer, would rig our holes out, you know, with a sprinkler, so everybody can cool off.
3: He was a regular kid. He went to school, played outside.
0: Me and my father got along really good. Once, not every summer, I think one summer I went with him. He used to drive a plywood truck, and I went with him. He, I think he did that just to get me out of the house. Yeah, it was good. I mean, part of the reason I think I have anxieties is because one of, well, one of the things he said which kind of drives me crazy is he used to say, if you can't do anything right, don't do it at all. Now, how do you, do, how do you learn how to do something if you don't do it right?
3: Dennis says his parents were alcoholics, and that meant he spent a lot of time as a kid taking care of his family.
0: I helped him with my grandmother downstairs. You know, she wanted something from the store every day. Then I had to help my other grandmother and my uncle who lived a few blocks away. So, you know, it's all, I guess I didn't have the hanging out with the friends at that age.
3: At school, Dennis says a teacher helped him fill out paperwork to get his first piece of identification.
0: If it wasn't for my junior high school teacher, Mr. Gangi, I wouldn't have a social security card. He went out, went, well, was, I guess during some time I don't know when he did it, he went out and he got a bunch of social security forms, gave one to all the kids in the class, drew it on the black button and showed us how to fill it out. We did that, he mailed them in. That's how I got my social security card. Not through my parents, through a teacher.
3: And after he graduated from junior high school?
0: My parents didn't even tell me I had to register for the draft. So I didn't have anything even as a kid growing up, you know? Somehow I registered to vote. I don't remember how that happened.
3: At the age of 25, Dennis was living at home, still taking care of his family. Then, one night, he left the house to help out a friend.
0: I was was helping this guy out. What the heck was his name? Like, this guy had a record store, and he was moving. I knew him, and he was moving to, like, Queens, and he wanted somebody to stay with his mother because he was also driving for a limousine service while he was trying to get his store going. But when I came home, my mother told me my friend was looking for me. I said, okay, I go find my friend. I found out one of my friends died on his job. So I come, I go back upstairs. I "Tell I my mother I couldn't eat. I tried laying down, I couldn't sleep. I said, I want to go out for a walk. I went to a neighborhood bar, had a couple of drinks. At least it seemed like a couple, it could have been more. I come home. And my mother says to me, where were you? And I'm like, why? She goes, your father's dead.
3: While Dennis was at the bar, grieving the loss of his friend, his father had gone out looking for him. There was an accident.
0: It was raining. There was a garbage truck parked the wrong way by sanitation, and he walked around and got hit by a van. Yeah, so yeah, imagine that. You come home and your mother tells you your father's dead. I don't know. I think I was in shock. But well, I think the next day, we went down to the morgue to identify the body. It's still hard to believe that he's dead, though. I mean, it really is. For the longest time, I was always hoping, well, I guess you always expect him to come home right after it happens.
3: Dennis says his family, especially his mom, blamed him for his father's death.
0: And I just got so fed up on that, I just walked out without even thinking. I just. I never went back. Never went back.
3: Problem was, Dennis walked out without first grabbing his ID. No, I
0: didn't bring anything. I just I just left. I don't know if I ever realized it. I don't think I ever thought about it. Yeah, I just walked. I didn't even know the I just left.
3: On the street, Dennis didn't have anything to prove he was Dennis Rickett. No birth certificate, no social security card, no driver's license, nothing.
0: Yeah, I went to to Manhattan. I think I slept in a park in a bush or something. Can't remember exactly where.
3: With no government-issued ID, Dennis says he had no choice but to live in Manhattan on the street.
0: I used to sell the books for a dollar. You know, people would give you books. So you go look and you find boxes that people throw out. Some reason I decided to get a calligraphy pen, the chisel tip pen. I decided, well, you know what? I can learn to do that. I could do that. So I got the letter. I got the chisel tip pen. It was black. It had the gothic, the black yeah, a black letter K on it. Like people would give me a dollar, do a name or something like that, you know.
3: Every morning, Dennis says he would lay a blanket out on 72nd Street. He'd put all his books and his drawings down and try to sell them to make a little money. One day, Dennis as a guy, an artist, walked by, saw his drawings, and tried to hire him to draw the graphics for his new book.
0: He wanted to look for it to look hand join, not like a stamp-pressed machine, you know. Yeah, because he was doing things of buildings in New York. Yeah, nice guy, but yeah, that's really, that would have been nice. But I told him, I said, look, you know, he wanted me to do it. I said, well, yeah, just, just give me a few bucks. No, he wanted me to sign a contract, but he paid me in a check, but I didn't have no ID. I was, I'm homeless without any ID. You know, how can you do that?
3: Homeless and without ID, Dennis was trapped. He couldn't take work, even when it was offered to him. And he couldn't get help from the government, either.
0: I can't even apply for public assistance if I needed it. And even if I didn't do that, let's say I was 65, I wouldn't be able to get social security.
3: Then, in the fall of 1989, Dennis's life changed again. This time for the better. He doesn't remember it as love at first sight, but there, on the corner of 72nd Street and Broadway, a man named Samuel Delaney stopped to pick out a book.
0: I don't think I thought anything the first time. But then I think he came back and bought a couple more, I'm not sure.
3: After that, Samuel, who everybody knows as Chip, would stop by Dennis's corner pretty regularly. One day, Chip suggested they get a room at the Skyline Hotel in Chelsea.
0: I don't know how they let me in that hotel. Well, I had on, you know, like the jumpsuit, like this kind of suit. Mm -hmm. My hands were pretty much, if not black, gray. I mean, yeah. (laughs) They had a nice glass chandelier in there.
3: After that, they were inseparable.
0: By March, I was living with them. Well, you know, after being homeless, it's kind of strange because you got to get used to being inside again. I don't know if you know what I mean, but unless you've been outside 24 hours a day for six years, it's kind of it's, it's kind of strange getting used to being inside. You know, like I was. St- Even though I had a place to stay with him when we were together, I'd be outside most of the day and then come back in, and I guess gradually over time, I got used to being inside more.
3: I meet up with Dennis in Philadelphia, where he shares a second-floor walk-up with Chip. Bookshelves line the walls in the house, and now, in his 60s, Dennis is bald and wears a graphic t-shirt.
0: The thing is, why do they make it so hard, when you lose everything, to get it back? You have any answers to that?
3: Chip is now a retired professor with a long gray beard. He's wearing suspenders and carries a cane. For more than two decades, Chip says he's been trying to help Dennis get a photo ID.
1: When we first got together, I had already decided that this was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to get it done. So I've been doing this for, I've been doing this um, constantly. I'm sure I could cite 10 or 12. Times where you know the, where where, we, where, we, where we, we've worked on this, but we've just had to you know to stop.
3: Together, Chip and Dennis tracked down old school records. They went to social security offices and pleaded with people behind the counter, but nothing worked because
0: to get photo ID, you need photo ID.
3: It's a catch-22. If you want to get photo ID, like a driver's license or a passport you need to show a photo ID. If you want to get a copy of your birth certificate, you need to show photo ID. If you want a social security card, you need to show photo ID. If you don't have a birth certificate and you don't have photo ID, it's really hard to get recognized as a citizen.
0: What you need to apply, okay?
3: Dennis spreads out a bunch of ID application forms on the table.
0: Ah, You may be able to
3: Many of them are forms that people have given him to get photo ID, but they all require a photo ID. Uh, you
0: have to be a U.S. citizen. Uh, not, uh, no, no. Well, where the heck is? It? Oh, come on, I'm trying. To, I'm, I'm trying to find the thing where it says that you need the ID.
1: I mean, it just doesn't stop. It's something that is becomes part of every. You, you say how many times? It's something that come, it's been part of every day.
3: It can happen to anyone, really. People can lose their photo ID or their birth certificate, or both, in a number of ways. Like Dennis, when they run away from home and lose contact with family, or in a fire, a flood, or a hurricane. The American Civil Liberties Union reports more than 11% of U.S. citizens, or more than 21 million Americans, don't have government-issued photo identification. These are people who are mostly low-income, elderly, from a racial or ethnic minority, or have disabilities. Chip says, more often than not, he's been the one fighting to get a photo ID for Dennis. And he says, for good reason.
1: This is something I really now have prioritized. It's something I want. I'm 75 years old. I'm not going to be here that long, that much longer. Uh, I have good genes in the family, but I want to see this taken care of
3: worries that without photo ID, Dennis won't have any way of supporting himself after he dies.
1: The only money he gets is basically what I give him out of my pocket. Yes, I do support me, but it's not just support. It's not just like, it's not, it's not what a husband and wife could do today. It's rather what a husband and wife would have had to have done a you know, 100 years ago. You know, because women couldn't vote, wouldn't, didn't have all those other, um, didn't have all those other rights uh, that that allow you to be a a, 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 a a fiscally independent person.
3: Chip says that means they can't give up. One morning, he shows up on the doorstep of Angela Giampolo, an attorney in Philadelphia. There's a local coffee shop, and I believe that's actually how he got my name was just our joint barista and they know
0: the story and and I think they said you know what go see Angela
3: after listening to Dennis's story Giampolo offers to take his case to reinstate Dennis's identity pro bono for free
0: uh, there are actually 16 million people in America dealing with this particular issue and the rates double the
3: percentages of people double when they're making under 25,000 a year So it's actually a much more pervasive issue than we realize. For the millions of people living without ID, there's one way to reestablish their identities. But it can be expensive. An attorney like Giampolo can vouch for you. The attorney files an affidavit with the court saying you are who you say you are. But there's a catch. Marsha Cohen is the director of the Homeless Advocacy Project. A legal clinic in Philadelphia. The doorman in her office lets me in after I show him a copy of my driver's license.
0: I just need to see the ID for you. you need to see my ID. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, ma'am. Appreciate
3: it. Cohen says she has 50 clients who can't get government-issued photo IDs, even with an attorney filing an affidavit. That's because some jurisdictions, like New York City, where Dennis's birth certificate was issued won't allow attorneys to vouch for their clients' identities.
4: The only problem we have ever had is with New York City, which simply will not take an attorney's certification as being sufficient to issue a birth certificate on behalf of a homeless person.
3: So while Chip and Dennis work with Angela Giampolo, his pro bono attorney, to try and get a copy of his birth certificate, Marsha Cohen files a class-action lawsuit against the city of New York to allow people like Dennis people born in New York City, to get government-issued ID through an attorney affidavit.
4: We filed a civil rights lawsuit against the city of New York, alleging that they were violating um, substantive and procedural due process under the 14th Amendment. Cohen says New York City pushed back. Ironically, New York City was most worried about the fraud potential here. If you get fraudulently get a birth certificate on behalf of a client, then you can get whatever else you need to and, and impersonate that, per, that client and, and um, conduct identity fraud. This had to do with the notion that there could be terrorists masking themselves as Americans.
3: Frustrated by yet another hurdle, Dennis and Chip make one last random call for help to see if someone, anyone, has a solution.
1: Yeah, help. help. Is there anybody who can do anything about this?
3: To their surprise, Chip says they got a message from someone on Facebook.
1: This woman who lived in Arlington, Virginia, who said, hey, I am a uh, a genealogist.
3: A genealogist. Someone who tracks down your long-lost heritage.
1: She went through and she got, made a couple of phone calls, and she got through.
3: Chip says the genealogist in Virginia was able to track down Dennis's birth certificate number from New York State's custodian of records. It had been hidden in a file in his old Brooklyn Elementary School. Then, one day, in the spring of 2017, Dennis says his birth certificate showed up in the mail.
0: It felt really good.
3: I visit Dennis again. He looks calmer than the first time I met him. He and Chip have moved to a new apartment. Now, for the first time in his adult life, Dennis is on his way to full documentation. He has a social security card, and soon, at the age of 63, he's gonna get his first government-issued photo ID. I'm
0: getting the therapy I need now. Probably needed my whole life, for anxiety, because I used to bite my fingernails to lay blood. So therapy, I'm not drinking. Well, next August, it'll be 13 years. So, yeah, I'm not smoking. I'm on the way of getting ID. So things are looking up a lot better than they were.
3: Oh, and about that class action lawsuit? A few months ago, New York City settled. So if you were born in the city and you lost your ID, you can pay an attorney to vouch for you. And one day, like Dennis you'll get a document with your name on it in the mail.
2: For Life of the Law, I'm Megan Morelli. Government Ghost was reported by Megan Morelli and edited by myself. Ian Koss sound designed the episode. Tony Gannon is our senior producer. Our post-production editors are Kirsten Jesuits-Heidel and Rachel Kane. We had engineering support from Rami Azar at Encounter Studios in Toronto. Jim Bennett engineered our episode from KQED Radio in San Francisco. Original music in this episode was composed by Ian Koss. If you like stories about the law but have gotten tripped up by the legal system, tune into Life of the Law on iTunes. Take a few minutes to post your review, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Each time we publish a new episode, we send everyone who's subscribed to our newsletter a behind the scenes look at Life of the Law that includes notes from our reporters and news about upcoming investigative reports. This week, Megan Morelli shares her experience at Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism and her discovery of Dennis and life without government-issued identification. Also in this issue of our newsletter, a video of our advisory board member Jessica McKellar's story at Two by Hustle in San Francisco about her work and life as an advocate for justice. You can subscribe to our newsletter at lifeofthelaw.org. We're a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the Panoply network of podcasts from Slate. You can also find Life of the Law on PRX, public radio exchange. We're funded by the Law and Society Association, the National Science Foundation, and by you. Visit our website, lifeofthelaw.org, and make a very much appreciated donation. Next on Life of the Law, our team will meet up in the studios of KQED to talk about the millions of Americans living without photo IDs and voter ID laws. That's next on Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Thanks for listening.